Welcome to Wood Talk, for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who like to use a lot of words, yet say nothing at all. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Well, hello, everybody. It's another exciting episode of Wood Talk, and today we've got a special treat for you. It's a single-topic episode devoted to your dust collection question. So maybe I should say that the show is going to suck. Ah, hey. <laughs> Had to be said well, somewhere. Let's pull the dust off it. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but hey, before we get to that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. When you spend weeks crafting the perfect box or cabinet, why would you use anything but the highest quality hardware? Russo has been making high-precision hardware here in the United States for over 20 years. The entire line is available in brass and stainless steel at brusso.com. While you're there, be sure to check out the new line of knife hinge installation templates. As a special offer to Wood Talk listeners, use the code WOODTALK at checkout for 10% off. All right, so uh, this topic here, dust collection, it's kind of a big one, and we're not really uh, trying to cover every aspect of the dust collection topic. We just want to let your questions sort of guide our discussion here a little bit, and uh, as these single topic episodes do, we kind of get deep into to one particular thing and then quickly get out of it and don't talk about it again for a while. Uh, all right, so the first thing we want to discuss here has to do with an email we got from Keith, and we'll, we'll get to the rest of Keith's email later on, but it's the first sentence that really is serving as a springboard for this conversation. He says, I've got a small garage shop. It's about 325 square feet. I'm constantly vacuuming, sweeping, and wiping off dust from every surface in my shop. And then he goes on to ask questions about recommendations. Uh, like I said, we'll get to that later. But with this first sentence... What does that uh, you know mean for you guys in your shops? Are you also constantly sweeping? Is it is it realistic to think that we should be able to go in our shops and there not be dust on every surface? I mean, so let's kind of go around the table here and discuss our individual situations, and maybe we'll get a better perspective on like what's realistic <laughs> and what isn't. Uh, Shannon, uh, why don't you go first since you're the handhold guy? You theoretically should have the least amount of dust. Yeah. And that's, I think, one of the biggest myths out there. <laughs> there is, I mean, they make, they make a lot of dust. I think the biggest thing is that, you know, the hand tools don't make the really, really crazy fine stuff that stays suspended in the air for hours and hours and hours and mm -hmm. goes into your lungs and kills you in days, you know. At least that's what Bill Pence told me. You, you die in days. You, <laughs> Within seconds. You read his website, you will die by the end of the week. Uh, so I'm um, not the only one who has trouble breathing after five minutes of reading that website? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it might be psychosomatic, but oh man, it starts. <laughs> like, it gets the blood pressure up, <laughs> nothing else. Yeah. But, you know, I have I have found certainly that, um, you, you know, if you're, if you're doing something that produces a lot of dust and maybe you don't have your respirator on, you get kind of your head gets stuffy and you're like, oh man, I should have put my respirator on. I usually feel it physically mm -hmm. like the next day or I'll get a headache or something like that. I have actually run into that situation just working with hand tools, specifically when I do a lot of hand sawing because when I'm I'm kneeled over the, the saw bench, the, the heel of the saw comes almost right up to like maybe head level. Mm. And it's dropping sawdust out of the teeth as you do that. So if, you're, if I'm using like a really resinous wood like one time i was using western red cedar i mean i had a stuffy nose and everything like five minutes into it and i immediately had to go actually put my respirator on to do hand sawing um so that the dust falls everywhere the chips are everywhere the shavings are everywhere and <clears throat> i will sweep it up and i'll you know put it in a trash can or i'll use my dust collector to actually vacuum it up but invariably 
my shop would never pass a white glove test. Mm-hmm. Like you don't even need a white glove, a black glove or, or, or any kind of glove. <laughs> it's, I mean, you can actually see it building up on horizontal surfaces. And I've gone through the, the trouble of, you know, sweeping it off and wiping it off and all that stuff. And you do that kind of spring cleaning type thing. But I don't think there's any way around it. Um, it just piles up everywhere. Um, and I actually do use a dust collector. I, I don't really have any power tools anymore. Um, when I do use a power planer, I absolutely use a dust collector there. And I don't think I'm kicking much dust in the air there. But as a good example, when I was at um, Roy Underhill School, and you know there's no power tools there, uh, but there are, what, 10 woodworkers at any given class working in there, there was dust on everything, like yeah. an inch of dust on every horizontal surface there. So uh, I don't think it's realistic to have this clean room environment. Yeah. What about you, uh, Matt? What's what's your what's your dust situation like? Uh, my dust situation is it's a constant. <laughs> it's always there. Uh, I do try to minimize it as much as possible. But yeah, realistically, I, I I've always kind of wondered where this idea that your shop has to be perfectly clean and there shouldn't be any dust anywhere. I I know myself, and then we we get these emails periodically over the years uh, for the three of us where this will come in and it's like, you know, I, I need to have this, this environment where, you know, my kids can come down and it's not going to affect their allergies. And I, I'm worried about this and that. And I keep looking around thinking, man, I must be the worst dad in the world because I, my shop is not clean in that sense that there's no way in the world that I'm going to have somebody come down here and, and especially with allergies or something and, and be able to roll around on the floor or something. <laughs> I mean, I, I walk through and I, I have specific shop shoes that even after I have, swept the floor and vacuumed the floor, there's still like that fine residual dust that's there. And am I concerned that somehow I'm going to poison my family or or ruin their health? No, not at all. My son already has bad allergies and that has nothing to do with my wood shop. That has to do with my genetics. So just kind of the way it is. And the same thing, horizontal surfaces, I look at my my heating and uh, cooling uh, ductwork and occasionally I'll be motivated to maybe take the, the shop vac and try and clean that off. But nine times out of 10, I'll do one duct and be like, yeah, okay, that's good enough. That'll <laughs> right. suffice for right now. Uh, I really wish there was a, a really good way to take care of this. But at, at this point, I, I, I'm not that concerned with it. It's one of those things that it comes with the hobby. It'd be the same thing as if I was an, a really big into working on motors, uh, any type of mechanical thing where there's going to be oil or grease Good luck making sure that every single surface is not oily or greasy. Yeah. Sure, I did work in a, an automotive garage once, and a big part of my job was to go through and clean the floor and clean things up, and you take care of as much as you can. But you know what? I got news for you. There's still going to be spots here and there, and I think that's the way people need to think about dust control and all this concern about the dust being everywhere. It's a wood shop. Yeah, it's yeah. inevitable. Well, a big, I think a big part of the problem has to do with design. Uh, well, two, two, I think it's twofold. You have fear, which is kind of propagated just by discussing this stuff all the time and reading websites like Bill Pence's, which are very informative, uh, but you get through it and you really start to, to be scared for what can, what can happen to your lungs. So you've got this fear and just being the, you know, inquisitive people, we go online, we look for information and we find out about different dust collection options. But the design of some of these things, I think is what makes it impossible to ever get uh, truly 100% collection. Most tools, if you take a close look at how the dust collection is designed, it's designed as an afterthought, almost because like, oh, well, we have to. 
So let's just put this on there. Now, there are a few companies, you know, a few newer products out there. Uh, pretty much anything Festool is designed with Dust Collection in mind. Uh, what's uh, Saw Stops designed with their uh, shroud over the blade? If you have right. everything connected, I saw that at one of the the shows, I think the Vegas uh, tool show, and I was really impressed at the collection from that uh, that particular tool, but because they put some thought into it. You know, it wasn't just like it was forced upon them. So uh, most of these tools just by nature are inefficient to collect from. No matter how strong of a vacuum or cyclone you have attached, it's just the nature of the beast. You're not going to catch it all. Uh, so that's why a lot of people will then use an air cleaner, which kind of stirs the air. Um, and most mm -hmm. folks say it's really only effective if you're turning it on, like after you leave. If you have it on while you're in there, you're just kicking up more dust into the air as this thing tries to catch it all in the filter. Right. Um, Those are really kind of almost alarming too. Like, because when you do turn it on mm -hmm. and, and then you come back and you look at that, that you know, there's an internal filter and then there's like that typical kind of household filter on the outside of it. And you can actually see how the color of that thing has changed. Right. You just yeah. realize how much how much stuff it's sucked out of the air. You're like, wow, that's kind of frightening. Yeah. yeah well, well, I mean, know, the bottom line. One thing I always wonder, and I'm, I'm kind of curious about this because I, I know this was one of the things I did an episode. I think it was back in 2009. It was called Minimize the Dust. And the whole thing was about how I went through to try to contain as much of that dust specifically to the shop because the real concern wasn't so much that I was uh, subjecting my family. Well, I guess this was the underlying. I was subjecting my family to all this excess dust that's going everywhere. But to be honest with you, I think it was more of a concern from like my wife saying like, you know, we noticed there's a little bit extra dust here and there. I, so I'm, I'm wondering how much of this is influenced by outside sources, like say a spouse. It's like, I am so sick and tired <laughs> of, of all this dust going everywhere. So say if you have a garage shop, half the time, it's not so much, especially if say it's a detached garage or in this situation, it's probably more of a, an, an attached garage. If it's a situation where maybe just closing the door or maybe even just taking off your shoes and stop tracking the dust through because it's amazing. Have you guys ever noticed like when you get done doing something and Shannon, even with you doing the hand tool stuff, how much dust is actually accumulated on your clothing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then so you end up walking through the house even though you kind of did the, the pat-down thing or if you enjoy taking the vacuum to yourself and... And doing something like that, how much of that you actually carry around with you? Yeah. If you enjoy taking the vacuum to yourself, hey that's a whole other topic for another show. <laughs> is, is that a separate hobby of yours, Matt? Nicely done, Matt. Very good. <laughs> All right. Well, the thing is, we we also don't want to present a situation where, okay, it's hopeless. Don't do anything. Because obviously, the right. goal is to do as much as you can realistically do. Uh, don't, don't, you know kill yourself over it, but get decent dust collection, protect yourself and use personal protective equipment because again, you'll never get a hundred percent. So use the dust mask, use that respirator as much as you can and just limit your exposure as much as possible. But don't, don't not go in your work workshop because <laughs> your, your dust collection isn't perfect. So let's right. in uh, other words, have realistic expectations of, of what you're going to get from this. Because even yeah. if you went into a professional shop where they probably have some major dust collection, uh, there's still dust everywhere. Sure. Sure. Well, well let's, and, let's, and I think that that's key because Mark, we actually haven't heard from you. Um, you do have a very nice dust collection system. Um, yeah. It, what is your perspective? Do you find yourself, wiping down surfaces a lot. I mean, you get dust everywhere still. Oh, it's fine. I, I, pre I prep food on my workbench. 
for the yeah, house. Nice. I mean, it's it's okay. That's uh, true. We can see pictures. <laughs> well, it, for me, I do have a good, strong Cyclone uh, Clearview system in there, and it is extremely powerful. Uh, but the thing is, it's not a dust-free environment. It can't be. It's the limitation of the tools that the system is connected to. Um, exactly. Sometimes it's just too difficult for the dust to, to, to take that route that it has to take through a tool uh, so that nothing gets into the shop air. So it's, it's, it's still an issue even with a good quality dust collection system. Uh, so I do have, a, I'll just kind of go through my routine. Basically, I've got dust collection on all the, the major power tools. All the smaller hand tools have dust extractors attached. So um, I've got a Festool system. People can use shop vacs to get the same effect. Uh, and that uh, does a, a fine job there. Um, I've also got a stepfather who likes to make a few extra bucks once in a while. And he comes in and uh, vacuums the place. And that uh, that captures a lot of this, the, the wayward dust. He even, I mean, he's kind of anal about the cleaning process, which is why I love it. Uh, he actually will um, vacuum the walls. Nice. I mean, that sounds I, I ridiculous. I considered doing that, actually. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but everybody with a shop, go look at your walls. Run your finger on those. And yeah. if you think about this is the environment you're working in every day, um, you take care of the floor, you take care of horizontal surfaces, but you don't realize how much can actually accumulate on vertical surfaces <laughs> over the course of like five years. Well, that's one of those. If you have light-colored walls, in my situation, people might not realize this. They think it's the, the lighting in the video. No, the walls used to be white. I just haven't gone through <laughs> vacuum yeah. them so they've gone on to take a slightly yellow haze yeah uh, and i've got a air cleaner uh hanging from the ceiling and that does i mean it's it's a single air cleaner and it's an 1800 square foot space it's not you know i would probably need multiple to truly filter that air properly but i turn it on and it does what it does uh, but i think the most important thing that makes me feel the most comfortable working in there for long periods of time is my respirator um, mm-hmm. At least I know no matter what's in the air for the time that that is on my face, I'm protected. And I know that when I take it off, sure, if I'm you know doing something where I have to talk on the podcast, I know that I'm getting exposure at that point. But the point is to just oh, over the, the broad uh, course of my career to limit my exposure as much as possible. But um, one of the, th- the things I think that helps to propagate the fear or the expectation is to is the fact that a lot of our shows they don't really show the dust and it's whether the dust is there or not is, is almost not even a factor. The video does not show the dust and people are like, Oh, what a clean shop. And it's like, you can't really tell that there's actually a lot of dust in the shop. Um, right. I, mine looks fairly clean because I've got help. I've got someone who comes in and vacuums, but I know I, I watch your shows, guys, your shops look fairly clean to me too. I don't, it doesn't look like a dusty environment, but I know if I visit it in person, I would find plenty of dust and, uh, you know, wood chips around. So, yeah, what's scary is when you actually like you reorganize the shop and you move stuff and you go, oh, my Lord, look at all this stuff under the (laughs) under the bench or behind the dust collector itself. Like it is crazy. The walls because my dust collector is backed into a corner. Mm -hmm. The walls around the dust collector. And I've got, you know, one of those felt whatever one micron bags on the top. Mm-hmm. But it's not airtight. Obviously, it can't be airtight because it, air has to blow through there. Air's got to go somewhere when it gets sucked in. And you look at the housing of the dust collector itself, like around the gaps where the bag attaches to the frame, and yeah. you just see just dust yeah. everywhere. Caked I mean, on every dust. time I turn on the dust collector and that upper bag inflates, you see a cloud come off that. Well, yeah, so if, if you backlit that, it, oh can you imagine God. if you backlit that and then videoed yeah, it? It would just be. Oh, it'd be horrible. You know, I always think about like the, I don't, 
some of you aren't big fans of pegboard, but the little bit of pegboard I have on there, I've actually had some visitors go, well, have you ever thought about like, you ever see the thing where people outline the tool so you know exactly what goes back there? I'm like, I've actually kind of done that. Remove that tool. You're going to see all that vertical dust and you'll know exactly <laughs> what tool belonged in that spot. See, that's just a helpful time-saving tip. Good job. Exactly. <laughs> so, Matt, what kind of dust collector do you have? Currently, I have a single stage. Uh, it's a one and a half horsepower dust collector. So just the, the basic run of the mill, probably. So, Shannon, I think you have something probably very similar. I have the, the felt yeah. bag on top. And then, of course, it used to have a felt bag on the bottom, but now I use a, a disposable bag. Uh, it more or less runs at about 1,250 CFM, which is one of those rabbit holes that you could easily go down because We're a lot about of people. To. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say because like yeah, that's one of those people either compare CFMs or they'll look at static pressure. And just out of curiosity, I kind of did a, a quick look at you know which one comes up more in the conversation, and they're they're pretty dead even. And it's amazing how people get really held onto those numbers. Yeah, I'll be honest, a lot of it is over my head. I've looked into it, and the, the part of the problem too is the reporting of these results sometimes you just get the feeling that you can't really trust the numbers you're being fed right exactly you know which, yeah, which you'll see something like the you know the static pressure is when it's a perfect situation and there's nothing being pulled through yeah. well that's not what i want <laughs> right it reminds me of like physics classes you know where you you assume no air resistance and yeah, you assume a, a perfect vacuum environment it's right, like okay yes. that's that's nice. Now let's talk real. Yep. All right. Well, let's go into a couple of the questions that we have here. And the first one is from Nick. And let's see. He says on Wood Talk 183, Sparkling Shannon uh, was talking about cutting out the protective grill on his one and a half horsepower dust collector to prevent it from getting clogged with shavings. As he mentioned, the predictable side effect of this is that if you suck up a chunk of something, it's going to make a hell of a bang and possibly even damage the impeller blade. I'm sure you all have some experience with the... Diet? Diet separators? Diet separators. Is that you what know, I have separators. been trying some different diets recently. I don't know if I've been separating them. I might be putting them all together. Interesting. And not no effect. Yeah, he said, but it bears mentioning that it's a simple solution for those of us without a cyclonic dust collector. A bunch of companies make them either as standalone units like the Dust Deputy featuring, a, a, I guess, the, a link to the Wood Whisperer. Or uh, the Laguna DS16, or as a lid that you can attach to an Oscar the Grouch style metal trash can. Woodcraft and Rockler have versions of this, and it's what I chose for my shop. With one of these placed in line before the collector, you can suck up anything with impunity. Screws, wood scraps, knitting needles. Uh huh. Nice mm. one. Nice one, Nick. Uh, and it'll drop into the separator before getting to the impeller blade. It also means changing your DC bag. Uh, a lot less often during planing and jointing as the heavy chips stay in a separator, leaving the DC to deal only with the fine stuff. You do a bit of a suction in the pro you do lose a bit of suction in the process, but I take it out of the circuit for operations that I know generate only fine dust like the bandsaw table saw sanding. So I think this is a huge, uh, thanks for that, Nick, by the way, that is a huge point and something for people to think about as they're addressing their dust collection needs. One of the single best things you can do before you even upgrade your dust collector is to possibly put one of the these cyclones uh, in line before the collector, just as right. Nick described it. I mean, uh, think about emptying it. Uh, I know I've got one in front of, uh, on my miter saw, I've actually got a dust deputy in front of a uh, shop vac. And oh my gosh, it's awesome because the filter, those expensive, ridiculously priced <laughs> filters, uh, or the bags, I'm sorry, the filter bags, I don't have to empty it more than, well, shoot, I haven't emptied it yet because the can is filling up from the cyclone. So it, it really is more efficient. It's uh, it's going to save you money 
in the long run. And ultimately, when you're talking about big chips, it's just a brilliant solution before you even upgrade uh, your sucker. Right. And that's you know, it. I had one. <clears throat> and I, he says you do lose a bit of suction. Yeah. I lost like all the suction. Oh, really? Really? And I think, I think a lot of it was just how I had it set up because okay. I, I have, um, I didn't have any kind of shorter hose system or anything, and I don't have the space in my shop to kind of space the the separator away from the dust collector. So I was inducing a really like wicked bend into the hose, oh. which you know is cutting down on the CFM. So I had basically a full length hose connected from the dust collector to the separator and then another full length hose from the separator to whatever to the the point of collection mm-hmm. and I mean, it was terrible i mean i was i was getting nothing sucked up out of there and and i used uh, i bought the little lid thing from woodcraft and uh, i found that that kind of kept falling apart too there was a little like elbow joint that goes under the lid that directs it into a cyclonic action and that thing kept coming off yeah, um, yeah. So it was just, it was a nightmare. Um, and maybe I need to change it and try to use a shorter hose or something like that. But yeah, it's, well, it sounds like the setup could use some help, but also these things are not all created equal. Right. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, because I, I have one and uh, I've had no problem with, with the suction on it. And again, I only have like a one, one and a half horsepower version. Uh, I had, I think the current hose I have on it right now is approximately, we'll say 12 feet. There is a little bit of a bend at one point. One difference, though, with the type of lid that I have is what you described. There's like that little elbow on the inside of it. Mine just kind of doesn't have that. In fact, it just opens right into the can itself. And I have had it where when I have emptied the the trash can, I'll turn on the dust collector and it will actually suck the can in a little bit. It does like that. Mm. Like it's Mm. imploding on itself. Right. Wow, so I yeah, am getting I, really I never good even came close to that. Uh, well, well, another thing I did, and I can't remember. I want to say I came up with this myself, but I know that's not possible. I ended up <laughs> adding an extra seal, like almost a weather sealing, to the top of the trash can to help uh, when that suction kicks in. There's no way in the world extra air is being sucked out of it or being pulled into it. Yeah. And I noticed when I did that, it definitely increased the amount of suction I was getting from it. So, mm-hmm. the, <clears throat> excuse me, that was. Uh, <clears throat> Oh, the sawdust is starting to get in my throat here. Do you need a minute, uh, Matt? <laughs> Want to go get a drink? <laughs> yeah, well, let, me, let me take a sip here. It is, a, for those who don't know, it is a Saturday morning recording, so uh, we might be a little off our game there. Right, it's <laughs> a little pollen right now. But that, but for sure, once I added that, it did increase some of the suction on mine, but I've, I've had really, really good results. Now, one thing I do, which is similar to what Nick described, when it came to uh, the tools like my table saw and for sure my band saw, I connect those directly to the dust collector, and I've gotten far better results from it. Mm-hmm. But for big chip things, such as the jointer, the thickness planer, uh, I, I have those hooked up to that cyclone can, and it is unbelievable the difference that I get from them. Nice. That's good. I need to go back to it. I need to revisit it. I didn't do the the weather stripping inside the lid. It came with something. Okay. But, so I think I just never thought to check, but it's probably leaking a fair amount there. Right, because um, I, I, I definitely that you didn't see the can deform in the slightest. Right, um, it well, just seemed like it was doing nothing but killing the suction. Well, even when I turn the, the dust collector on, I notice like if I can lift the lid off and separate it from the can. Obviously, there's not a lot of suction there. With this, um, I'm sure if I hooked it up to a, a car, like maybe two horses, and tried to separate it that <laughs> way, I, I could get it apart. 
But well, my, my little weekly hands can't do it. Well, at the very least, I would say, Shannon, shorten the hose between the collector and the cyclone, and that could that could make a dramatic difference. I mean, yeah. those those uh, flexible hoses will cut down on your uh, efficiency like you wouldn't believe. Um, so, I mean, that's even on my runs when I try. Like, I keep rigid uh, duct work as long as possible because as soon as I put a flex hose on there, it immediately starts to drop the suction. So... All right, let's move on to our next email. We got one from Keith, and uh, I read that first portion of him uh, having dust problems in his shop, but he says, my CT36 is hooked up to my Capex, which does a decent job, and I've got one hooked up to my ETS-125 sander, which also does a great job. My shop vac runs back and forth to my rigid table saw, router table, and DeWalt thickness planer when they're in use. It's time to invest in a dust collection system. I narrowed it down, right or wrong, to the Oneida Dust Cobra and the Jet DC-1100VX-6. CK, easy for me to say. Oh, that uh, sounds so impressive. Yeah, cone dust collector. The Oneida is about $200 more, but only has 245 CFM compared to 1100 CFM on the jet. I don't get it. I'm not looking to have hard ducting to all of my machines. Portability and hooking up each machine as I use it is fine with me. I just need suction. Lots of it. I know you don't like to recommend specific brands, but is there a noticeable difference that you see in these two machines that might help sway me from uh, one or the other? Any advice would be great. Thanks. Now, I looked into these two. And uh, here's the thing. We don't all, you know, we don't have access to these tools, so we can only speculate based on what we read. So take take all of our advice here with a grain of salt. But if you look closely at these two, uh, what's interesting is the Dust Cobra, to me, it, it, it's really sold as a souped-up shop vac, right? And okay. I mean, it's a $900 souped-up shop vac, so it's very good. But they're really uh, sort of, uh, remember the combination we were just talking about, shop vac with a cyclone separator, on smaller tools, let's say, you know, things that uh, maybe four inch or lower port size. That's exactly what this is meant to do. So it's a smaller motor. Think when you look at this thing, yes, it looks like a cyclone, but think shop vac first. When you look at the jet, it's actually more of your traditional dust collector with a very large impeller. Um, so it's probably moving, theoretically seems to be moving more air. Um, right. Now I have, I have trouble with this because at $895, that's a lot of money for a souped up shop vac. So, so what am I missing with the dust Cobra that would make it worth it for someone in his situation to go for that? Because right now I am leaning heavily toward the jet as a, a better solution. Um, the only thing I will say about the jet is, um, well, actually, no, I was looking at the wrong one last night that came with a 30 micron bag. People were complaining about that, but this one has the pleated filter on the top with that little, uh, the little arm that you can kind of rotate to, uh, there's a paddle yeah, inside the dust there. out. And yeah. So, so why would someone want to go with the dust Cobra? Where's the market for, for this particular unit? Did you guys look into it at all? Um, a, a little bit. It's, it's, it's been a little while. You're since looking I, at it right I now, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think just, just physically looking at it, it looks like the footprint. They're kind of similar. Uh, well, let's see here. Shorter. You, it's shorter. The, definitely. Definitely. And I wonder if that's what it is. Uh, there is a, for the Dust Cobra, there's uh, a, an accessory where you can put it on wheels, you can move it around. And I have a feeling if maybe it, it's more or less, like you described, kind of like a souped up, uh, the, not dust collector, but shop fat kind of a situation. So in some shops, that might actually be the better situation. Space saving, yeah. Yeah, because sometimes it's it's. I know in, in my own situation, there's been a couple of times where I, I almost wish I would just drag the uh, dust collector over to the tool, shorten the length of hose that I have, and therefore I would get a lot better results from it. 
So who knows? Maybe it's one of those situations where that's the mindset. It's yeah. It, the, the, it's, the dust cobra is one of those situations where I wouldn't mind having this attached to say my thickness planer and my jointer because of the fact that I can get the chips dropped into the bottom and I can take those out of the way where ordinarily I wouldn't want those going through my impeller. But other than that, I I totally am going towards the the jet version just because of the fact that it has so much more f- flexibility. I don't. Well, that's not well. Looking at the dust cobra, it says it can do you know up to four inches, but it almost looks like you're going to need to use an adapter to get there. The port, from what I can see in the picture, the port looks like it's uh, about a two and a half inch port, and the yes. ports on the jet, uh, you've got one six inch port, or it looks like you use the adapter and you can get two four inch ports. So to me, it looks like you know the jet is really intended to be that large tool shop dust collector. The dust cobra is sort of that smaller dust extraction system that's built for the smaller dust task. But because it is powerful, you can uh, you can use it on something like a, a benchtop planer or something like that. But I think it, it feels to me like you're pushing the limits of, of what it's intended for by going to that, uh, you know, wider opening. Right. Well, yeah, and you're right. It is a two and a half CFM, inch. Doesn't that drop off substantially the further you get, you know, the longer the run, the further you get from the machine? Yeah. Yep. So it, that's why I've never, I've always been confused by these these marketing numbers essentially because do they? And I'm not looking at the specs right now. Do they specifically say over what distance it gets <clears> CFM? Well, I was going to say that I'll read this specific. This is from the the Woodcraft website. 110 volt, and this is the the Dust Cobra. 110 volt industrial motor creates 245 CFM at 23 inches of static pressure, comma 70 inches with. WC max suction. So I'm assuming, well, I don't know. I'm not going to assume. What is that 70-inch max suction? Is that referring to the the extent of the hose length? I know on my own uh, shop uh, dust collector, they specifically say something like up to 23 feet uh, is the maximum that they recommend. Mm. It's hmm. it, This is a, a limitation in our knowledge on this topic, so I don't want to speculate too much on this right, because exactly. we're, we're just well, we're doing I mean, nothing. There's no but, question. If you're looking at a four-inch port on the jet, yeah. it just it's moving a larger volume. Yes. So you can say it's got a higher CFM, but I also, again, just the way it's designed, it's looked, it's meant like it's supposed to kind of go in a corner and the hose goes to multiple machines and this dust cobra is like wheel it to the machine. So... You know, it seems to me that there would be, if you're if you're saying, okay, this is 1100 CFM at at 70 inches from the machine and 245 at 70 inches from the other machine. Well, are you really going to be only 70 inches from the machine on the jet? Yeah. Um, because it's more of a stationary deal. So when you degrade the CFM at that point, they may be more in line with one another. And that's why, uh, I don't know, <laughs> it, it just seems like every time I've gone down this rabbit hole, I just ended up more confused. <laughs> well, see, exactly. the, the way I look at it is there there are two broad classifications here. There are uh, uh, suckers that are basically uh, low volume but high velocity. These are your dust extractors, your shop vacs, all right? They're good to connect to those smaller tools because you still get airflow at a smaller port size. To me, that feels like what the Dust Cobra is. It's basically the ultimate version of that, and it's so strong that it can even handle things up to four inches uh, in port size. The traditional dust collector falls into a high-volume, low-velocity sort of air movement situation, and they're vastly different. So if you use that jet and try to get that on your sanders, you choke it down, you're not going to get the airflow that you need. So to me, right. these are 
they're not comparable products. They may they may have overlap in, in function and what they do, but they are one from each classification. Like I would put a Festool dust extractor in the same family as the Dust Cobra, because to me it sort of represents that smaller scale. But again, it's on steroids. It's one that can do a lot more than what we typically do with your standard dust extractor. So a very interesting right. product, though. I mean, I'd like to to try one out and just get some experience with it. But um, you don't, well, you know, I'm noticing that even in the name. So maybe if we go with the naming system, they refer to the Dust Cobra as a vacuum system versus a dust collector. So if you really get stuck on the terminology, they they even themselves are referring to it as a vacuum system. Oh, totally. System. Yeah, the marketing language, only 50 pounds with three times the air performance of normal shop vacuums. Right. Mm. Well, they're, they're and, comparing and, and, it to shop vacuums. Another bags. location I'm at right now, they're, they're referring, they're, the picture they have on this, it has it like one of those floor sanders. So this is meant to definitely be more of a portable device where perhaps you need that extra suction versus being an actual like whole shop dust collector system. So yeah, yeah. it sounds like as far as Keith's question is concerned, I mean, he already has a CT36 Festool extractor. Mm -hmm. seems to me the obvious choice would be the jet dust collector because the dust Cobra, while it may be a souped up version, it's duplicating what he already has. Yeah, I would agree. I think the 1100 is probably going to be the way to go for him. Hey, we got there, guys. Sweet. An answer to a question. <laughs> I didn't think we were ever going to get anywhere. All right. Well, it was good talking to you guys. I'm exhausted now. <laughs> Job is done. All right. Check that one off the list. All right. Let's go to Robert's question. And this is the last one for today. He says, I've got a question concerning shop air cleaners. I'm a power and hand tool user and have a Jet 650 dust collector. Uh, think of that as like the the little brother from the 1100, essentially. Uh, I fitted it with aftermarket 5 micron dust bags. Uh, the dust around the shop has been reduced considerably, but I wonder if I should have a dedicated air cleaner. What uh, are some of the things to look for in shopping for one? All right, so do either of you have a dust uh, air cleaner in, in your shop at all? Yes. Yep. Oh, you do? I didn't know that. Yep. Do you find that it really makes a difference? Mm, in my mind. <laughs> it makes me feel better. <laughs> no, I, I, I have noticed that when, when I turn it on, and but I usually tend, maybe this isn't when it's supposed to be done. Maybe you're supposed to be running it at all times. I tend to turn mine on at the end of the day, especially when I've been doing something that's very sawdust intensive. Mm-hmm. So this would definitely be sanding, maybe a lot of routing or something along the lines of that. Uh, I might end up turning it on for, let's say, a half an hour walking away. And I do notice that there is a considerable difference in we'll call it the haze in the shop kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I even noticed like, you know, you can smell the sawdust. Like there's just that, that, that smell. And that's oftentimes that's a situation where there's still a lot of dust up in the air. And I've noticed in this situation, it's gone. And I also noticed there's a breeze in my shop when I have it on. So that's nice too. <laughs> nice. You know, actually that, that's a, a point that could be stressed because when it gets really still and humid in my shop, turning on that air cleaner is a lifesaver. It makes <laughs> yes. a huge difference. And I have, I have the same type of shop as Keith. I'm about 320, 330 square feet. So that air cleaner actually makes a noticeable difference. When you turn it on high, it, I don't know, I remember looking at the specs, but it, it, it talks about how much air it circulates over such and such a time. Mm-hmm. When I turn my my jet, there's just the typical, you know, big box jet thing. Um, I've got it mounted on the wall in my case. It uh, supposedly recycles the air in my shop entirely, like twice every 10 minutes. So um, I'm the same way. I'll turn it on when I leave the shop and you put put on the little two-hour, four-hour timer and just let it shut itself off. Mm -hmm. And it does seem to make a really big difference. And when I find 
Uh, I, the only sanding I really do anymore is at the lathe, but that's kind of nasty stuff. I mean, it really kicks up some really fine stuff because I'm sanding, you know, 600 grit or whatever. And of course it throws it all over the shop. I will turn on the air cleaner while I'm doing that. And that does make a huge difference as far as how much dust I find like on the body of the lathe and all the, the crap around it. Sure. So I, I do think it makes a big difference, but I'd be curious, Mark, in a shop your size, do you even notice it? I notice what Matt sort of mentioned. It's, you know, you, you could look at the filter, right? And that's one indicator. If there's dust on a filter, it must be doing something. Uh, but I, like Matt said, you walk into your shop and sometimes you just smell the dust. Uh, that's bad news. Well, a lot of times I find that if I keep it on, I put the timer on, let it run for, you know, three hours on high. I actually feel like the air is crisper when I walk into the shop. There's <laughs> yeah, something right. about it that says, Oh, this is this just smells and feels cleaner. So yeah, oh. for for even in my yeah. situation, I think it, it it does have an impact. And and Shannon, what you were saying, I'm looking right now at the one of the most popular units that seems to almost universally get decent reviews is the Jet. Uh, what do they call this? Jet uh, AF 1000B. Ooh, sure. Yes. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. It's the jet one. The um, jet one. That's yeah. what I say. <laughs> it says uh, it, it can filter air in a 20 by 20 by eight shop in under five minutes and filter the air in that size shop a dozen times an hour. So you can right. kind of look at these numbers and most of them should have some sort of specs on them that can help you determine if, if that's enough, if it does anything in your size shop, maybe you need multiples in the shop if you have a really large shop. Uh, but ultimately, it I, I think they do something, right? It makes me feel better to use them. I see dust accumulating. The shop does feel better after the fact. So just for that reason, I'm going to continue using it. But I would absolutely recommend getting one with built-in timer functionality. Yeah. yeah I think one of the keys there too, and they actually say this if you read the manual, I know, God forbid, but mount it off-center um, mm -hmm. Right, you know, because I like I remember going to the the before my local woodcraft closed down. You know, they have the classroom in the back, and they've got the thing hanging, and it's right smack in the center of the room. Well, that's not actually doing much to create a current, and that's what you want it to do. So I mounted mine. It used to be on the ceiling, right over against the wall, but my shop ceilings are so low that I was bumping my head on it. So <laughs> I mounted it on the wall, and it really, I mean, it creates a cyclone effect, and you can. Um, that's where the uh, actual cooling aspect of having a fan on in the room actually makes a huge difference because it really circles the the air around the room really quickly. So yeah. I, I think that's key to getting that kind of circulation that it talks about. I've heard and that I think too. That, that's important also because I know I had a small like that bazooka style shop vac air cleaner and I had that situation situated directly over my table saw and I thought it worked okay. But then when I got this larger version that I currently have, I, I did follow the instructions like you were talking about and I set it so it's like four feet away from the wall or something. And yeah, I definitely feel that current and I did notice immediately that it, it when I did turn it on, it cleaned out a lot faster. So for once in your life, people follow the instructions on this particular piece <laughs> right. of equipment. Well, you you know, choose to go this route. I've actually it, heard that. I heard the same thing about mounting to the side. And where did I put mine? Right in the middle. Oh, Spagnolo, just for once <laughs> in your life. Well, the problem was I had an outlet installed specifically in the ceiling for that, and the outlet was already there because I wasn't thinking ahead of time. So I was like, well, I guess it's going in the middle. Okay, well, <laughs> there, there, there are situation. these things. They're called extension cords. Dude, when you have an outlet installed in your ceiling, you don't run an extension cord. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's tacky. <laughs> Seems like a crime. <laughs> well, you know, the, the one thing that I have noticed that this air cleaner makes a huge difference mm -hmm. is if you flip it on and let it run for two hours before you apply finish. 
huge yeah. difference. Yeah, that's a good idea. And, yep. and just remember, smells are particulate in nature. So if you're smelling something, there's little tiny particles going up in your nose. Remember that next time you go into a public bathroom. Now remember that next time you're standing next to Matt. You're like All right, sitting next to my cat right I'm now. I'm smelling I'm Matt's butt particles. <laughs> okay, so another thing I wanted to mention here is there is a product out there called Filterafan. You guys heard of this? Sure have. Okay, so yeah, it's it's pretty well. I guess the prices have gone up because they're selling it with a box fan now. Now, basically, the idea is it's a little thing that attaches to a standard box fan and allows you to drop in a filter. Now, if you use your your head on this, you might be able to construct something yourself uh, that you can cobble together with a standard box fan. But you buy a regular furnace filter, drop it in there, just replace it once in a while. And the idea is it stands upright. And this isn't the kind of thing you're going to hang from your ceiling. You put it right next to your work. So if you're doing a particularly dusty task, and there's times where you have to hand sand, you've got to you know sand parts that you just can't do with uh, any kind of dust collection. If you have this sitting on your bench next to you, turn it on high. It's amazing at how well this thing will get all of that wayward dust that just launches right up into the air. That uh, usually it's the smallest stuff and the stuff you're least, you know, you don't suspect that it's that it's getting up there. You're like, ah, it's just a little bit of a little bit of sanding, um, but it makes a big difference. So um, I'm looking at one right now at seventy bucks on Amazon and might be a good lower cost solution for folks who can kind of just turn it on as needed to prevent that dust from ever getting up into the air in the first place. Right. Yeah, this is very similar to I, it, my early days before I ever got any type of dust collection system other than my shop uh, shop vac. My old shop had a window, and I would just set a box fan with a filter right in that window and just let it suck things through. Then when I moved to this shop, and I still didn't have – I no longer had a window, I, I would do that. I would take a, 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 fa- a furnace filter, attach that to a, a box fan, and set it right next to – whatever the sawdusty type thing I was working on. And suddenly I was getting cool breezes and clean air. Nice. Can't Ooh. beat that. All right. Well, Sounds like uh, a good uh, show tagline if you ever get tired of uh, straight grains <laughs> and sharp blades. Cool breezes and clean air. <laughs> That's going to be when I move to the Caribbean and open the Caribbean basement workshop. Ooh, that sounds nice. You know what? I'm so glad you said that because that's the one dust collection thing that we didn't talk about. Open Opening the garage door. door. And I know, I know, Matt, this, this immediately excludes you, but... That is probably one of the best things I ever did for the hand tool woodworking is open the garage door, open the window at the back of the shop and just let Mother Nature do the job. Sure. And if I look at, um, well, we're recording this on a Saturday, I'll be heading up to the Stepping Stone Museum in about an hour. We don't have any dust collectors in there, but we also don't have a front wall. Um, We're essentially in like a a, a lean-to-ish looking thing. And, you know, we don't have, I don't have nearly the dust in that shop that I do in my own shop. Wow. It's because you know, mother nature just blows through there all the time. My problem is in Arizona, if I open the door, sometimes there's more dust outside (laughs) than there is in my shop. My, my shop is the sanctuary from the dust. Right. And then the, the, Fighter pilots take that as a challenge, right? They try to fly through your shop. Exactly. Doors open. Yeah. They try to uh, buzz the tower. All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps it up. Any, any sort of parting thoughts or anything we didn't cover yet? Um, we get it no, all. no. I, well, the only thing I, I had in my mind is, you know, when we were talking about our shops, and I know we even mentioned this a little bit with some of the other things where we were talking about, like Keith's question, uh, really when it comes down to it, again, we hate reading our, our manuals, but once in a while they do have really good information in there. And perhaps if you're noticing that you're having problems with 
the dust the suction that you're getting from your dust collector oftentimes it may be that you have the hoses far too long and mark you mentioned the fact that you know if you have more of a, a rigid ducting system versus the flexible ducting system there's a huge difference in that but oftentimes i know and i know myself i have pushed it to that point where the hoses that i have definitely exceed what the manufacturer is recommending and as soon as i <clears throat> as soon as i brought it down to within that range or or here's an idea less than that range uh i noticed that my arm was being pulled into the hose which is a good sign unless it's near the impeller that's very true um all right well then matt how about you give them the contact info and we can get out of here all right folks hey do you have a comment a question or maybe a topic suggestion there are several different ways to contact us leave us a voicemail on skype our username is wood talk online call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180 Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or you can leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're ever looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. Wonderful. And uh, so well done. Yeah. Now I'm so congested from talking that much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't, uh, you know, sometimes I actually do get that and I, I do wonder if it's shop exposure where I just get like a day or two where I'm just, I'm not, I don't have a cold. I'm not sick. I just have a little extra phlegm in my throat and I sometimes get concerned that it might be from the shop. I'm, a, I'm feeding my own fears here. <laughs> <is> the problem. <laughs> I'm making the problem worse. Oh, yeah, some some of that stuff that's out there it reminds me of when my mother-in-law was visiting and she kept going on about all these things that she watched on one of those talk shows that included all the doctors <laughs> on TV and I kept saying you know the best way to around that? Stop watching stop and watching. Stuff. Stop watching. Live in ignorance. It's bliss. <laughs> yes, totally. Alright, well thanks for listening everybody and we'll catch you next time. See ya. Bye. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.